0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tundal Tidnu podcast. On today's episode, we are here to discuss about many different things. But first of all, we need to introduce the people who are on this call with me. And that is, of course, Rishwin, your regular host. Regular host, indeed. Hello. And of course, today, our guest, very special guest, Simona.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: Simona, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so my name is Simona, and I am a freshman here at BU. I don't know what I'm studying, so don't ask. I knew what I wanted to study, but I don't anymore. I'm from Florida. Well, I live in Florida, but I was born and raised in Europe for the most part. And yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: I think the most interesting thing that you said. Out of all of the facts about you, would be the fact that you are from Florida. Now, let me just read this headline that I just found from a day ago that says, "Florida man attempts to bar Holy Bible from schools under Republicans recently passed law." So, Wait, why does it sound like home, Keyshore? Like, I'm not <laughs> even kidding.
1: It actually mean, sounds like home.
0: Guys, <laughs> how do you deal with this? Like, we've all heard the stories of the Florida men, but. I really need to ask when something as stupid and outrageous as all of this happens, is there like a local paper or like local news in Florida that actually broadcasts this or is it just for the memes? And then people just get used to it. It's like, Oh yeah, this is Florida. This shit just happens. Like, you know?
1: So I think it depends. I think some of the, like the weird headlines that you see about Florida man are like, they're just memes and they're fake but i think a lot of them do actually air on like your local news channels and it's so funny because the one you just read out about like the bibles of the, in the, like banning bibles in schools or whatever that like that is actually something that they would broadcast on the news and like it's something that florida would do like florida's just really like backwards in everything that they do so it would come to no surprise that they're trying to ban like bibles i mean they're they basically like banned any kind of speech about like lgbtq plus in schools it's a horrible state don't live in florida
2: so wait but you've grown up in florida for like how many years now
1: 12 years
2: and was there anything remotely positive at all about living in florida (laughs) (laughs)
1: that is my answer to that question
2: (laughs) okay
0: i
1: mean listen (laughs) the eternal sun sunshine is great i learned how to survive hurricanes that's for sure tornado warnings as well but in terms of like anything really really positive i would say no i think florida just doesn't really have a lot of things going for it it's a lot of negatives
2: Okay. So having said that, right, you said before living in Florida, you spent time in Europe, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Which part of Europe specifically?
1: So I was born and raised in Bulgaria, which is Eastern Europe. It's right above Greece. My family lived there until I was about seven. So I can like recall going to kindergarten, but I never went to like first or like, I never did full like elementary school or anything. So in terms of like, day-to-day student life i don't have a lot of experience but i have a lot of friends who are still there so i know you know a lot about what day-to-day life looks like in europe or at least in bulgaria
2: so what's the general vibe like
1: it's kind of like what you would picture in the movies like the students you know as soon as they hit that like 12 year old age you know they start smoking cigarettes and they just like start walking down the streets like a lot of the cities in Eastern Europe, you know, you have your cities, but then you also have like the villages, like little village towns. But we're not going to talk too much about those because I don't like nowadays, nobody really, other than like old people, no one lives there. But people live in the big cities where you have like public transport. So, like, kids from a very young age have to be on their own, you know, going to school, doing everything. And people are just generally kind of miserable. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, people romanticize things like Paris and how people are so. You know, Europeans are so happy, but no, Europeans are miserable people. Like it's a constant work hustle and, you know, never making enough money to like be able to like live comfortably on their standards. And that's kind of the vibe. But I will say the culture aspect of it gives a familiarity and like warmth. So like to me, when I go to Europe, it's like seeing so much culture makes me feel like very happy and stuff. It makes it feel familiar, whereas the people in general are kind of rude. But Europe is great. you can handle it.
2: I feel like people anywhere would be rude if like they're not making enough to get by anyways, no? It feels like you see that everywhere. I think, sure, even back home, sometimes we would feel
0: that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, impoverished communities are much more likely, uh, likely to treat people worse i guess okay but i i can't say that for like uh, speaking to it for like all uh, impoverished communities because it's not the way that it works i can't generalize it that way but in general i would say because they struggle a lot more in life like you know it could be the fact that they're not getting treated well by middle class or upper class citizens that it just ruins their mood when in reality these are probably some of the most kindest and, you know, friendliest peoples that I know. Like, even in Ireland, I would say, everyone in Ireland is, like, average, kind of. Uh, especially the place that I live. Everyone's, like, surviving. Um, Everyone earns enough to survive. And everyone's nice with each other that way. So it's just, like, a cultural thing. But
2: it's also, like, pub culture is big anyway, so that would definitely help with the social aspect.
0: Yeah, kind of. You know, it really depends, like it's honestly just like a geographical thing, like based on where you're from and what the culture is like, it could vary. But I would say like for comparison, right. If we're talking about Europe, when I went to Amsterdam, it was a lot more weird because Irish people are very friendly. And when I was just trying to talk to like, talk normally to people there, they would think that I was weird because I would say like, hi, how are you? Stuff like that. The moment I'm, talking to someone or if anyone crosses by me i say hi how are you stuff like that and they just look at me weird they'd be like who the fuck do i know you and shit like that you know Uh, and then i realized yeah that would be awkward yeah i know and then then i realized oh wait (laughs) you know i'm not in ireland this is not normal and then that's when it hit me it's like oh yeah this is just like a cultural thing it's not really something to do with like the status and stuff because even in Ireland no matter how much you're earning and stuff you know you're just too ingrained to the culture to actually do that you know
1: it's funny that you say that I've had a different experience honestly like in Europe like when I've gone back home if you see someone on the street that you know obviously you greet them but otherwise like you just kind of keep to yourself in a sense I have a feeling that like my life in Florida you know, obviously, like, I I live in, like, a normal people, like, cookie-cutter neighborhood, suburban area in Florida. And every time I see someone on the street, whether I know who they are or not, like, it's just customary for you to, like, greet them and be like, hello, or, like, good morning, good afternoon, or something like that. Like, that's customary for some reason. But when I'm in Europe, if I see someone I don't know on the street, like, if they talk to me, like, that's kind of weird. So it's funny that you say that, that, like, in Ireland, I get, but I mean, I guess it goes down to every country and how they are. But I think it depends also on the, your location too.
2: Most of Asia seems to keep to themselves anyway. So, like, I feel like coming to Boston, like for me yeah, at I least, was like a that. big culture shock. In that, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I agree apart on that. from like you know, actually being able to cross the street. Ooh, fuck! <laughs> I'm not looking Wait. forward to go home. No, literally,
0: if you try, if you try to cross the street back in Asia, uh, you'd probably be dead. It's a death sentence. It actually is like, it's so bad. I I, honestly, I have this conspiracy theory where I think the fucking governments in Asia are purposefully destroying the the streetlights that are meant to walk around with uh, for the pedestrians because they want people to die uh, because of overpopulation.
2: And also, it's not like it is here. Like if you get hit, like you get money, don't you? Like it's not like that back in Asia, at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean because basically like, pedestrians oh. don't have
0: rights, which is kinda sad. It's weird. The only place that's not like that that I know of would be Singapore. And that's only because <laughs> they're jackasses. So you uh, know, yeah. we don't we don't speak of them here, but you know, if if you're in Malaysia and then you try to walk like try and cross the street, do you actually think the car is gonna stop for you? <laughs> Unless you no put way. out your hand, you know?
1: That's crazy. That's how that's how Europe is, honestly. Europe, it's every man for themselves, where in the US it's like it's so funny because like when I'm a pedestrian, when I'm walking on the street and I see a car coming fast, I'm like, I literally tell myself, I'm like, you're going to stop like you're going to fucking stop. And then or I'll be like, run me over. Why don't you? But then when I'm the one driving and I see a passenger like crossing last minute, I'm the one saying I will run you over like move.
0: That's hmm. it's a very interesting a perspective. perspective. I actually have never had that here. You'd be surprised. There would be like one car on the road and he could just like fucking pass by me while I wanted to like fucking cross the road. But this bastard would stop and let me cross the road, even though he's literally the only car on the road. I like, mean, I felt that too. You I'm like... like yeah, you because could in the
2: easily, US, like, oh.
1: pedestrian, pedestrian rights are more important.
2: Wow. Okay. You know what? That makes me like it, li- like it here a lot more. I will say Mm. just just having more rights, having people acknowledge you is, I think, one of the better feelings you could have.
1: In some cases, yes. And some not all. In what
2: way would it be a bad thing to be acknowledged?
1: Um, uh, The fact that like, I don't know, I feel like sometimes people pay too much attention to you in the U.S. and they're too much in your business. Mm. There's two sides to the story. You know, you can say that America because, you know, because it is so diverse and everyone is so into the work hustle and everyone's kind of just doing their own thing that they don't really have time to stop and like care what other people are doing. But I would disagree. And I would say that in the US more than anywhere else, people are just up in your business and people are so nosy and they like to gossip. And it's like, oh my God, did you hear like what this person did? I don't know. But like, you know what I mean? Like I have have that experience, but I also have the experience where it's kind of like, nobody cares if you're walking down the street with like, Sweatpants, but like if you were in Europe and you wore sweatpants, people are gonna be like, What is wrong with you? Like on the streets. No, I mean, in that sense,
2: yeah, like I feel like people care about you to an extent, but like they don't care what you look like or like how you sound or like how you dress it, like it
0: doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it's weird.
2: Back in Asia, you would be judged. You know, the fashion police is a big thing, I would like to think.
0: Here, I would say that's, I, I disagree with that because over here, it's just people just don't care they honestly could not care less how you look because if you look good, you look good. And if you look bad, they still say that you look acceptable. So no one really looks bad, apparently. You're saying acceptable
2: means bad now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like, wait a second. Standard now? I don't know. If people can't say you look bad, like
1: if, you, if you're looking no for an objective really opinion. Looks, no no one really word. looks
0: bad. No one actually looks bad bad in a sense, no, you
1: know? I would disagree. I think you might have just not, you might have probably haven't seen them, but there are some people that walk outside with pajamas. And granted, I have done that before. Like, I sometimes walk the streets looking slightly like...
2: In this weather?
1: I mean, in general, especially oh when it was colder, I would be in like sweatpants and hoodies and it would just, it was just not a vibe. I would go into class and I'd just look like I crawled out of bed.
2: But like people wouldn't say anything.
1: Mm-hmm. They wouldn't say anything, but they'd give me dirty looks for sure. But then now, for some reason, I don't know what happened. I think I went home over Christmas and I had this conversation with my mom. But for some reason, now, like going to class, I feel the need to dress up in a sense or look presentable to some degree because I'm like, think about it. If I was a professor and, you know, being a professor, you have to have like a PhD, I'm pretty sure, to be able to be called professor or doctor or whatever the heck. And you know, think about like someone going through that much schooling and then having people show up to their class in pajamas. Like to me, that's just disrespectful to the professor. So I've like started to like, dress up in class and like look presentable, especially if I have early morning classes. I'm like, well, I'm here, you know, 8 a.m. They've been here probably since like 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., you know? So I try to like have that mindset and just be like, be grateful for that the fact that they're giving up their time to teach. Obviously, they're getting paid for it, but you know what I mean? Like you pay to go to that class and they get oh, yeah, to teach that class. But I think it's a mutual respecting that you should just look presentable and try not to like sleep in class too. It's a little disrespectful.
2: I mean, obviously a sleeping class, definitely unless like you can't help it, but Kishore, why, why is it just me or this feels like a conversation we've had with a teacher in high school for some reason? Like I can vaguely remember like the contents of this very lecture. <laughs>
0: don't i don't quite remember but you know i
2: don't know maybe it was just the teachers i had they're like oh you know we work so hard for you you pay all this money blah 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 and like you need to have respect for your teachers you need to make sure all that stuff
0: no but you see the moment i came here it's very different because here they just don't give a shit because you already paid the fees so they're getting paid regardless So that's kind of, it's just very logical the way people think. It's just, well, you paid the fees. If you're not going to come to class, or no matter how you look, it's fine because the teacher's getting paid at the end of the day. So, you know, people don't judge. People, yeah, but I guess it's,
2: I guess it's just more of like a personal thing. If you feel like the need to like reciprocate what they're
1: doing for you, it's also just like, yeah, they are getting paid. Like, what, here's another thing like, you're paying to go to a school. Like you might as well show up to class and get your money worth, you know what I mean like that's one thing I don't understand is people who spend like so much money, like eighty thousand dollars to come to school and they don't even go to class because like what it's to me it's a little stupid, you know, and it's also in that case, I find it a little stupid if like people i guess if they don't show not only do they not show up to class but like they don't care, and it's just kind of like, wow, you know. I wish I was in your position to where I could blow this much money and still not care.
2: Your future is important. Very. Was it like that in high school at least? Or was the vibe like completely different?
1: So I think it depends. Um, The high school I went to was really poorly funded and it was a very poor high school. The only thing we had going for the high school was like an international baccalaureate program. It was... only program that gave the school any extra funding and it was kind of one of the only things that kept the school afloat to be honest so it was a public high school you, you could go to private high schools but a lot of the private high schools in florida cost like forty thousand dollars a year which i'm like that's half a year of college. colleges like,
2: cost, lo- cost less than less that less
1: than that yeah and it, to me it was absurd to pay that much money for high school first of all college should not be this expensive but high school absolutely not You know, maybe if I was like the next like Serena Williams and I wanted to attend like IMG Academy or something for sports. okay. but or like if I wanted to attend some super like elite, like preparatory high school and have access to like, I don't know, networks and connections, maybe. But for a regular high school or just to like, you know what I mean? Like if it was nothing special or if it wasn't like an international boarding school, I don't see the point of people spending that much money on a privatized education for high school.
2: But unless they view like getting that, like I don't know, T50 or even like T20 college acceptance, like if they weigh it that highly, then I don't know, maybe some parents yeah, just would pay that whatever. Without that. Mm, I guess. I guess it just depends on like whether people know how to achieve that. Because I don't know, It feel, I feel like people's paths to college like vary. I mean, like Kishore, you going to Ireland was like very unconventional in and of itself.
0: Yeah, I came here because. Want to remind us how you did that? Well, it was true in education fair, really. That's pretty much how... It, it's either your university uh, has a program that can send you off or you have to look for it yourself. And I had the latter. So, Whereas for you, Richmond, it would be the university itself allowing uh, you to apply, right? I And then guess... you have to self-apply as well. It's kind of the mix of the two.
2: It was more like... Look, I for me it was like I knew that like the systems we had back back in Malaysia because like you know being in like public high schools wouldn't uh, like let us like go overseas that easily, so like having to do A levels which is essentially grade twelve and thirteen which makes me a year older than all the freshman year. I mean that's that's weird in like in and of itself, but with regards to the college application process, I feel like they would give you a lot of support in terms of like applying to the UK because that's like what everyone does because that's like easy. But like, if you wanted to go to the US, like, like they did give you help. Like, okay, if you need a testimonial, yeah, you're like your professors, you're like lecturers because the way they did it, it was like the last two years of like high school inverted commerce were thought by professors. So like, it was kind of like a mix between college and high school for like the last one and a half years. but they would assign someone to be like your high school counselor to write your like, I don't know, they call it a testimonial and they barely know you for one thing, but like everything else, like your high school transcripts, your extracurriculars, common app, like everything else is on your own. You f- you find out which schools you want to apply to on your own. You apply on your own and then you just figure it out from there. So I I like to think I got lucky in a sense, but I'm glad I did that. But like, I'd like to think that's like not the most conventional path to college. Like most kids we know have to go through like, I don't know, like you said, like systems in your university, right? A lot of universities back home have like foundation programs where like you sign up and like you take like intro courses for like a year. And if you get like a decent enough GPA, then you get accepted into the degree program and you continue. And I'm pretty sure there are others I'm missing, but like, that's the general vibe.
1: You know, that's a different experience than what I had. Like the way the American high school system works is like you go through your normal high school. Everyone kind of, it's all like ninth through 12th grade in high school in America. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time to apply for college, you start applying. Um, most people, the earliest you apply is like the summer right before your senior year. And you get like, you have a high school counselor, obviously. And a, some students, like during high school, during the summers, They'll go and they'll do like pre-professional, pre-college programs at like Harvard or Columbia. You know what I mean? Like they'll pay a lot of money to do like a three-week summer program. So like summer universities. Yeah, mm. with the hopes of like getting into those schools, which hardly ever works out for them. But um, I didn't do any of those. But you can do that. And then you start applying and you apply the fall of your senior year. And we do it through either Common App or the Coalition App. And you basically just do it all on your own. Like you do all your writing supplements and stuff. Your teachers are all linked on your Common App. So whenever you need like a letter of recommendation, you put your teacher's email in the app and it'll send them an email to like upload a recommendation letter. And then you also attach your counselor on there. And when it's time to send off like college applications, you send off like all your writing supplements and stuff. Like you just click submit on the application for each school through Common App or Coalition. So, like, you don't have to apply to each individual school individually. Like, you log on to this one giant portal, and it has, like, all the schools you want to apply to listed. And then you just go through and you click submit on each one.
2: I mean, okay, that's familiar, because I also did use the Common App for mine. But, like, yeah. it wasn't something that everyone did.
1: For us, it's, it's, what, it's, like, what everyone did. Like, you have, for us, at least for my high school, that's how you had to apply to high school, college you had to apply that way. And then from there, like, obviously you, like every school sends you like a portal thing or whatever, but that's how you apply. But in terms of like your records and stuff and your transcripts, like your counselor takes care of all that. Like you have no control over any of that stuff. So literally like the American system feeds it, like they do everything for you. You just have to uh, submit your essay and click submit and pay, but they will send everything else for you.
2: Here's a random question I have, like just curious, because like, I had a weird experience in mind, but like, did you like essentially pick which teachers wrote your recommendations or like, was it completely random?
1: You pick, so you, for most schools, you can do usually one or two. And then it was up to you to like, ask whichever teacher. So it was, this was a big thing during the summer before senior year started. Um, you would usually like write an email to the two teachers you wanted. And every teacher would only take about, like 15 students to write a recommendation for maybe 20 but the thing is you have to pick like obviously you want to pick a teacher who knows who you are who can speak on your character and kind of like literally make you fluff you up on a piece of paper um so like i chose like the two teachers i chose my english and my spanish teacher because i felt like they knew my character the best and would write the most accurate recommendation for me even though i don't want to study english or spanish
2: he sure, with that in mind, do you want to guess which teacher I picked?
0: Ooh, that's a hard one.
2: Um, You can tell Simona, like the fact that he's hesitating, it, it's not a good look. I
0: oh, know. <laughs> that's funny. There's, you know, it's ooh, man, like a teacher. I if feel you like, like it should it. be obvious, but also. I don't know. It's so hard because when you think about it, which Asian teacher would write you a good sounding recommendation unless you're forcing them to. Because there's no way that they... do. That That's exactly
2: it. So I ended up picking my English teacher.
0: Oh Mm. oh my God. Okay. I mean, unless they're like friendly enough to help out. But if you just seriously ask them to, you know, hell no.
1: Yeah. The English teacher is a smart one. No, that's true. And like in our
2: case, the only people who could actually write a a few competent paragraphs in English, like no disrespect to everyone else, but like... I did ask other teachers and they were like, either ignored me or I'm like, "Um, I don't know how to do this. I'm sorry, I can't help you. And I'm Uh like, dang, okay. So I ended up only like applying to schools that require like one recommendation because like finding a second teacher was hard.
1: Most of them do require just one. Like most of the schools I applied to required one, um, but I had two on file. So that way I got to pick and choose which teacher I put for each one. But I'm pretty Uh, sure... That for BU, I put my English teacher because she took a really long time on my rec letter. Um, so, it, my and my last school that I applied to was BU because the deadline was the like the longest. So, I submitted her letter to BU, and I submitted my other teacher to all my other schools. But the thing is, like, you don't, I don't know what she wrote. Like, I I I never read the letter because you can't because you have to. I mean,
2: same. Yeah, I don't know what she wrote either. I mean, I I mean, I got in, so I assume it was good.
0: Wait, what? So it was just like a fucking surprise letter.
1: <laughs> well, essentially. Well, yeah, because, yeah, because part of it's like it. if you if you know what the letter says, like if they give it to you beforehand, like so the whole purpose is that when you ask them on the on like Common App or like Coalition you waive your right to read it. Because if you submit an app uh, like a letter that you haven't read, it has more weight and more significance because it's kind of like you submitted a letter blindly. And whatever's on there, like
2: oh, it's not like I held my teacher gunpoint, making them write good stuff about me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know
1: what I mean. And you it know. like it, it it has more significance than if you had read the letter. So like I, w- I obviously like waived my rights to see what those letters said. So
2: I yeah, and I did the same. But like it must have been good, ish.
1: I mean, we're here, so
2: yeah, exactly, and that's fun. Thank God it worked out. I think one thing I learned during my application process was that like US schools really do value extracurriculars, which like the rest of the world doesn't seem to. So weird.
1: <laughs> Wait, they value they value what? ECs. Oh, like extracurriculars? Yeah. That's so weird to me for you to say EC. Um, because I think of econ.
2: <laughs> oh that's no. The
1: um <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Extracurriculars is a really big thing. It's valued because I don't know. Cause like, so here's the thing. There's those kids who like participate in literally everything on the fucking planet. They're, those are called resume builders. Okay.
2: Sure. We know, we know, we know people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we do. The
1: whole purpose of those kids is to fill up that resume with as many leadership positions as they want, which is one thing I told myself I would never do. And thankfully I don't knock on someone. wood. I only join things I'm genuinely interested in. And I only run for positions I genuinely care about. I think that like when a school sees that you have a bunch of different things going on, you spread yourself thin. But if they see consistency, and they see that you join the same clubs, like if they're all IR clubs, if they're all volunteering, you know what I mean? If they see consistency, I think it speaks more for your character. But colleges and high school it's a culture. It's literally like the extracurricular, like culture, get as many like officer positions or e-board positions as you possibly can.
2: Sure. What would you say you did in high school? Like in terms of like extracurriculars and like, what do you think that helped you at least in any way?
0: I would just say all of the programs that I submitted myself into getting myself into more English speaking kind of competitions and stuff, because you have to keep in mind that we're going to a Western country that's prob- uh, predominantly based off the English language. So especially in Ireland or the UK, which was the two places that I was applying for, I wasn't applying for the U S so they valued that quite a lot, especially, and this is weird, but the fucking entry level uh, for your English in Ireland is a lot more, it's apparently a couple of steps higher than the UK, which is it's astounding to me, but yeah, that, I think that part of my extracurricular did help me get in, I guess, which is good. Uh, but then again, I had a really good agent as well that sorted everything out for me. So, and because it was direct contact with the university, um, it was basically just instant approval as long as I did not fail, which was really good. So yeah. That's pretty much it. So I would say, if you have good contacts and you get a good agent that can work for you, like if you have direct contact with the university, you can basically bypass the process of getting rejected and appealing because you have a you know direct contact to the university.
2: And that's so interesting that you say that because like I don't think in the U.S. like I don't think that's a thing at all. Okay, but what I do know is like, I find it really refreshing what you said about ECs because I know a ton of kids from high school who needed to hear that. And because of the way things were, like, especially in like public high schools, the options you have for extracurriculars are limited. But they also did this weird thing where they tried to standardize all your ECs. They were like, okay, so there are three categories of extracurriculars, right? You have like uniformed bodies, you have like sports, and then you have academic clubs. And you need to participate in... You can only participate in like one thing for each category. And you have to have like some level of achievement or like participation within those activities. And then they give you like a score. And that score is supposed to help you apply to like local universities. It's really weird. But because of that, you just saw a ton of kids just showing up to these these things just to like get those points and not actually do anything. Which I guess for me it was kind of annoying because one it just prevented the kids who actually wanted to do this stuff from like actually you know running for e-board for a club yeah, they care yeah. about or like actually like doing activities that they like but b just like made the whole extracurriculars like scene just weird like a ton of kids just didn't care about them which was pretty sad
1: mm-hmm. hey that was really weird like In a sense, when you do that, you have you like you increase the student engagement because like students are required to participate. But at the same time, it's like the kids who are truly passionate don't really get their get a chance. But I think it depends. It's again, there's like it can be both a positive and a negative, in my opinion.
2: I mean, the negatives are like kids are smart and kids can figure ways to weasel their way out of it, in a sense. Yeah. I think he, sure you can you can vouch, because like I think the process of me and you trying to compete in like debate and public speaking competitions in high school was more convoluted than it should have been.
0: Well, that's just because of fucking well, people who weren't supposed to it, it was kind of like a tyrant sort of regime that they had. I think I think,
2: think today's a good a good as time a good a time as any to talk about that. Not naming names, well, basically- of course.
0: Of course, but like it was basically just unfairness because they what happened was in our school um the the person who was in charge of doing that um like the <clears throat> the public speaking and the um debate tournaments and stuff all the English competitions to be specific, yeah, basically the head English teacher that was involved did not open elections um not elections, I mean like did not open trials and stuff. Um, to get other new talent in because her daughter was in all of them so instead of opening up chances for other people to get in um, they just let her daughter go and she basically never did anything else and it was only when we started to raise our concerns and our voices because it was only it was this really weird thing because I went to this public speaking uh, competition with Richmond and then I ended up getting second place and that was on a national level. And then the moment we got, we got back to school, we immediately approached the teachers and we were like, how can you not let me go? And why are you still letting her go? Like this is still the district level. I literally competed in the national level and I got a second place. Then they had no choice but to let us compete And then we got accepted. So that it was basically just a pretty fucked up system because of the fact that, you know, people. I mean, nepotism is one thing, but
2: then also like people weren't really encouraged to do this stuff, which to me was kind of sad because from what I've like, what I'm aware of, like after like our batch left high school, I'm pretty sure they stopped doing debate, which honestly to me is really sad. Because I felt like that was like the one extracurricular that like if I were to pinpoint one of the things I did that helped me like, I don't know, get to be you. I mean, obviously, like your grades are one thing, but like I felt like that was the one extracurricular that like I really like pulled through from high school and like something that I still do today. And I really valued that. But I just felt like it's a big shame that there were so many barriers to actually like prevent people from doing it. And I think even Kishore, like you wouldn't have done public speaking if like, you know, if you didn't have the energy to fight the system and sort of like get your way and actually like
0: get to compete well kind of but that was only because you have to remember you need a good amount of leverage if you want to go against the system that has been very firmly placed by people in power so unless you have a fucking airtight case you can't just walk up to them and say well you know i just want to compete because because they have every right to just say because you know teachers are a lot in control in those public schools and they have the power to just say no i'm not doing that and you you know nepotism aside like you can't say anything because you know they just have that much power over you and you just can't argue back i can't argue back because it's disrespectful you know
2: like this person we talked about like whenever they didn't like do super well at a competition like they would always have an excuse and it would always be like, oh, the judge is being unfair, or they didn't like my mm-hmm. content, or they just don't like my face, or they're being like misogynistic, or they're being racist, or something. Like, there would always be an excuse, but it would never be like, oh, maybe we should let someone else go. And it got to a point where, like, okay, so for just for context, our high schools in Malaysia are like a lot different from they are in the US. Like, for starters, it's grade seven to 11. Like, that's high yeah. school. Okay, no, they were competing from like, grades seven to nine without like okay weird thing is a lot of us didn't even know that our school was going for these competitions like we didn't even know we didn't know that these extracurriculars were a thing because i think a lot of us were like forced to do like the only the ones that they wanted us to do and then Mm -hmm. like when we found out that like they weren't doing so great and the english teachers were like maybe we should let other people do it there was a lot of opposition i remember and it got to a point where like in 10th grade i remember they were like you know what the old team hasn't been doing so well we've been doing we've been sending the same people every year like let's just have open tryouts and Mm -hmm. let's get like completely new people in and like that person didn't end up going like that year and the year after me and my friends did i think we, we did pretty well i guess i still have i still have the medals they're pretty they're nice to look at But, like, I do remember after that having a very strained relationship with that person. And I believe, Kishore, you also had a similar experience.
1: And I guess that's sort of, like,
2: I guess that's one thing. Sort of, like, taking away something from someone that they've had, like, unopposed for so long can be, like, frustrating. Yeah. But I think also what's equally frustrating at RN is that, like, not having the chance to actually prove that, you know, you can do something or at least, like, make the most of it. Because bear in mind, like at least the vibe I got from this person, and like probably other people who do these who do these kind of things, they're like, they're definitely in the resume building mold, and like, oh yeah, one hundred percent. They felt like at least like what I got from them was like, oh, I need this so I can get a scholarship, Oh, I need this so I can get into like a good university. What's to say that like other kids don't need that too?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: At least like what I remember telling that person back in high school was like, we're we're not competing for the same things, like. I think now that person like wanted to do something like, I don't know, the medical field at like a local university. And um, I think it's well-documented in Malaysia that like, for like at least like racial or ethnic minorities, um, there's like limited spots. Like, I think there's like a 10% quota for kids to get accepted to like public universities. And there's a lot of Which pressure.
0: It's still off.
1: insane. I it would is say. still insane considering that's like ridiculous. we're citizens.
2: I mean, that's the whole, that's a big reason why we're not back home, you know, because there are just more
0: spots if elsewhere the government discriminates against you when you're trying to go to college it's so oh, fucking it's like the system itself is designed to reject your appeals right like there's no way you're going to hit every university that you fucking appeal and on top of that the government's just like oh i'm sorry even if you do try and get in there's only a 10% quota for every every other race to try and get in which is what the fuck
2: in malaysia it's very dependent on like your background like if you're of a certain ethnic background it's a lot easier to get like scholarships and i think because i think simona you asked me this asked me this like two weeks ago and we went out and you were i think you mentioned a friend asking i i know i mentioned a friend asked me like okay so like i know another person from malaysia who's here at bu and he's on a scholarship how come you don't have access to that scholarship i'm like well there's a long history the british were involved but like long story short there are a lot of affirmative action pol- affirmative action policies in place that just actively discriminate against people from like other races and other ethnic backgrounds but like there's nothing that you can really do about it because even if you yeah. complain there's going to be a lot of objection to that so it's mostly like the people who can go and leave do leave but like people who can't afford to go to private universities do go to private universities understood it's like a sad state of affairs so like the the mentality this person had, at least like what I got from them was like they felt the need to make to pad up their their resume to that extent that like they'd give them the best possible chance of getting in, even though you know there were people like me and Keisha and like pretty sure other people too who like actually wanted to do these competitions that actually you know had good reason to or like could do well in them, but just couldn't because the way the school system was was like they were so invested in this one person's application that they wanted to make sure that they had every chance of success while just marginalizing everyone else
1: gotcha um yeah that i'm like honestly i'm sorry you guys went through that it's, i mean
0: it's uh,
2: I, I, like, fine it's, it's, it's character not, building
1: it's, Oh, okay but it's not fair like that you have to go through that it's you know It takes away an opportunity from you and the system Uh, disproportionately allows other people to.
0: Oh, come on. The system is still that way. You shouldn't be sorry for anything. It's still, it's never going to get fixed. I've just lost all hope.
1: We should, honestly, like the world is a fucked up place. And I just think the whole thing needs to be reworked from the, like the whole system, everything. So what should we do? Blow it up? yes (laughs) yeah
0: i'd be down (laughs) (laughs) yes no no, literally literally.
1: (laughs) i am i'm so down just name a place and i'll be there
0: is this a bomb threat can we just not do this (laughs) like oh Oh my god God. no
1: (laughs) of course not (laughs) Not a bomb threat
0: it's not a bomb threat but like realistically if the
2: world goes up in flames i know you could it could be climate change you never know Mm
1: -hmm.
2: oh yeah of course Like, there are multiple reasons as to why the world should go to shit. This is why, like, a common argument I bring up in debate tournaments, if I ever, like, get pushed, is, like, humans are shit and the world's gone to shit anyway. So, like, if there's a world where, like, we don't need to defend us and let us, like, face the consequences of our own actions and just, like, I don't know, die out, so be it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we even really defending here when we're not, like, the best people
1: anyways? Fair point.
2: But yeah that's sort of I I guess that sort of explains like the general gist of how like extracurriculars were. A lot of people didn't think they were important. I knew a ton of friends in high school who were like why are you doing this? Like a lot of people I know didn't actually like do like extracurriculars. Like all they did was just show up to club meetings and like they got into like universities and they seemed reasonably happy. But like for the vibe was like if you wanted to go overseas or like generally go to a good college you had to have like a good amount of participation in extracurriculars yeah. and I felt, and I, at least, I don't know about you Keisha, but at least personally, I felt like a lot of pressure to like do well in all that stuff, which is good. But then I also the feel like if you were to go to like countries like the UK, for example, where like extracurriculars are not super important and like the only clubs you would get involved with, for example, like if you were a law student, you, like some of my friends are, you'd be in like the law society or if, like you were a psychology major, you'd be in like the psychology students union, And, like, not do anything else. Whereas over here, like, me as a CS major, yeah, I have my CS clubs, like, Hack for Impact. But I also, like, I still do debate. I do Model UN. There's, like, a ton of other opportunities to do stuff. And, like, I guess, Simona, when you said it's, like, about the culture, I guess I really relate to that. Like, it gives you something else, you know? Something else to look forward to, people to meet. And, like... It's cliche, but it like it really just rounds you off as an individual, and I just feel like you're reducing extracurriculars to activities you do just to help you get into college or just like help you get a job. I feel that's a bit too shallow, and I, yeah, honestly, wouldn't see the point of just doing it at that point. I mean, like like with model UN, right? You you mentioned like I think you've told me off the record that like you do it as a hobby.
1: Yeah, no, that that's that's not even off the record. It's just it is like it's a well known fact that I am not an IR major, and one of the reasons I don't want to become an IR major is because Model UN has been a hobby of mine since like middle school so um and part of the reason I love it so much is because it's kind of like this thing that you know only not only I can do but it feels like it's like my thing you know what I mean like I have my classes I have like my you know I used to have my sports and stuff but Model UN was just like the one other thing that took my mind off of everything and allowed me to like be someone else for a day and like it gave me a break from my day-to-day life and I feel like one of the reasons I will never ever be an IR major is because I feel like it would take away my love for MUN because I would literally like you know what I mean like, like I it would, would become your life, life and then like yeah. you'd
2: start to loathe it
1: I would start to resent it yeah whereas now model UN it's just like it's kind of, it feels kind of although it's a lot of work it feels kind of like a break from my like, you know real life
2: I think, Kishore, you could relate to that as well because I definitely, like, view debate as, like, that for me. Like, I know I'm going to get, like, a lot of hate from, like, the Mall UN kids listening to this, but, like, no, definitely debate was always, like, my escape in high school anyways. I mean, Kishore, you would say public speaking is the same for you?
0: Yeah, in a sense, but the difference is I love public speaking. Like, if I had the choice, I would definitely spend more time doing that like if that became like a full-time job and i don't mean public speaking but i mean i like, mean—I feel
2: like you sure if right, like this podcast talking, ever blew you know? up and like you would permanently be a like the podcast host and make like bank from it you'd probably do that
0: yeah because i love this i love doing this this is one of my passions so it's very different i don't resent it at all really
2: yeah just wish you were on here more often
0: <laughs> soon soon
2: I also, like, I think that's also interesting because like with public speaking, that's kind of how we became friends because like, because I think we promised at some point we were going to talk about this, but we never really talked about how we became friends because we spent the first like 60% of high school just ghosting each other, which was really
0: hilarious. Yeah, I think we did talk about it before we did. Talk no, no, about no, I, no, no. I previous... remember because
2: Rahul came on. We Like you said, like, I think we'd, he had to go and I was like, no, we'll talk about it in
0: another episode and we just didn't talk about it. Okay, we'll just save that for another episode when we bring <laughs> all of the debate team and the public speaking people on. Uh that's gonna that
2: that's gonna be hard because we don't even talk to some of them anymore, you know, there's bad blood.
0: Oh boy. We still have good contacts. I mean we have our fucking, you know, resident soju drinker, Yi Jun. She's um, alive and well, I hope. And yeah, we can just get her on and then we can get, you know, Rahul on and whoever the you know, whoever else from the debate side we have Henny and, you know, the others.
2: Yeah, whenever they're amenable to come on. But that's so interesting to me as well because that's where, like, most of our friends are from. And, like, mm-hmm. personally, even here from BU, I feel like a lot, a ton of my friends are, like, from and debate and less, like, from my major or from my classes. Like, to econ, for example, I know no one in econ. I just talk to the people beside you because prof- Professor White's like, okay, you have, you have two minutes. Talk about, like, the Phillips curve. And then, like, that's the extent of our interactions.
1: I don't talk to anybody. Sorry.
2: <laughs> Literally, us <laughs> in econ next semester.
1: Fact. Um, it's okay. We'll we'll make it through, though. No worries. Mm-hmm. We'll make it through, right?
2: I think we'll make it through. I want to make it through. It's just contingent on like one of us not giving up through the semester and just like winging it.
1: right Right. 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 Well, I have a history of dropping classes, so...
2: Okay. Uh, I have not had that experience yet. I don't
1: want to start just yet. Okay, okay. Well, I do.
2: I guess it takes a lot of willpower anyway to just, like, you know, even just get through a full day of classes or even, like, stick the things. Like, I feel a lot of people underestimate that. But, like, it takes a lot. And, like, just being able to just, like, I don't know, get through the school year, I feel like that should should be treated as, like, a big accomplishment. Because it's hard. Yeah. Like I think I'm definitely feeling the strain. I don't know if like you are.
1: It's not even a strain. It's just, it's uh, what's it called? Burnout. I feel burnt out.
2: Wait. Here's a just random question. If it's not like too personal, but like, has there ever been a time at least like before college that you felt burnout?
1: It was okay. So it was right after actually graduation. This is really weird. So. So that's um, after time-
2: everything's done, no.
1: Yeah. So during high school, I was always one of those people who was busy from day from like morning till night because school would start at like 7 a.m. And most days, usually like once a week. So Fridays or yeah, usually Fridays, we would have football games and I was part of the television club. So um, we would film the sports games and we had like a broadcast. They would broadcast it.
2: So what were you a reporter?
1: I was actually like I did more of like behind the scenes. So I did replay. So I would do live action replay on a machine. Ooh, um, so okay. like whenever a play fun. happened and the producer and di- like whenever the, the producer slash director called replay, um, do we have replay? And I'd be like, you know, I'd be responsible for looking to see which camera had it. And then they'd be like, replay, go replay. And then they would air the replay. And then I'd have to like slow it down in real time, which was uh, it was really cool. But. I also was, I had swimming and then I had a job on the side as well. So every single day of the week was full for me and I would volunteer every Saturday and Sunday.
2: That's packed.
1: Yeah, I had a go-go mentality. But then when COVID happened and school went online, I started working more to fill up my time because school was online. And let's be honest, the end of my junior year was a joke and then senior year was an even bigger joke. Um,
2: A joke as in unbelievably busy or?
1: No, it was so like, not busy. My teachers did not care. The teachers did not care. So I didn't have like homework assignments, but in terms of like the international baccalaureate program, I had a lot of assessments for them. So I had a lot of assessments for that. So it's like, I still had to keep up big deadlines, but Mm -hmm. thankfully it was more like
2: fulfilling your criteria and not like running around doing assignments and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So I was able to work a lot more, but then graduation came around and we graduated like some point mid June or something because of covid they weren't sure if we could have it but ended mm-hmm. up having our graduation outside it was hot as heck but after graduation i took i stopped working and once i stopped working and i didn't have any school left i went through like a burnout slash like anxiety episode in a sense because i was i had so much free time on my hands that i would just sit there and think Overthink everything. You know what I mean. I'd sit there and think my out my whole life. No, no, no. I
2: mean, as someone who's dealing with anxiety, I definitely see where the overthinking is coming from.
1: Yeah, and it's like I realized that I need something to keep me busy. Like I went, like I had a whole month and a half before I came to college where I didn't work because I wanted to time off. But I realized that, in hindsight, that time would have been better spent working because I had too much time off to the point where I had too much time with myself and my thoughts, and that's not a good thing.
2: So it's more like you want time to like you need you need to keep your mind occupied so you don't go into that rabbit hole of like overthinking everything and that being like detrimental in that sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do feel burnout in terms of like school. Like I've worked I worked so hard for four years in that program. And in a sense, now college college is hard, but in a sense, college feels like a joke in comparison to what I went through high school. But it also feels like a joke partially because of you know, the amount of burnout I feel because I worked, again, so hard for so long only to earn a piece of paper in the end.
2: I feel like you would you would think it merits a lot more than just, like, a college
1: acceptance. Exactly, and it doesn't. And the sad reality is that, like, BU doesn't accept a lot of the credits I earn, so it's kind of like, what the freak, like, are you freaking kidding me? I worked so hard for so long to not even get those credits accepted by the school.
2: Okay, like kind of like not just exactly the same boat, but like I was expecting 32 credits. Ended up with 24. Not like the most ideal situation, but you know, we roll with it, I suppose.
1: Um, Rishvan, I was supposed to come in with 30 credits. I came in with eight.
2: Eight. Oh, okay. No, that's rough.
1: Well, not eight. Hold on. Eight. And then I came in with like 11 credits, which is nothing.
2: No. Nothing. I mean it's barely like through, two or yeah. three classes.
1: I went through an entire IB program for 4 years to come in with like basically no credits. And it's honestly heartbreaking.
2: <laughs> a lot of my good friends here, okay, not not many, but like I have friends at least, okay? So mm-hmm. they did IB and they like for all the work they like they had to do for IB, a lot of them talk about it as being like really fulfilling and like changing their perspective. Would you say you had that experience with IB or did you feel IB was more of like, yeah, I just need to get through this to like go to college.
1: It wasn't, I needed to get through it to get to college. Obviously like this, it holds a certain stigma of like, you know, doing IB ACE or whatever the heck it helps with college. It looks good in colleges because it's harder class. It's college classes that you start taking as a freshman in
2: high school. So kind of like AP. Exactly. Essentially.
1: But IB and ACE are just on steroids like it's AP classes to a next level Mm. especially with like IB and ACE you take your you take the exams for the class for all like the classes at the end of your senior year so I was tested on material from sophomore year uh, from sophomore and junior year senior year
2: okay to be fair back in Malaysia that was like the exact same experience because what we had was like sophomore and junior year and like to some extent even the stuff in like freshman year of high school being tested in like our final exams because the way it worked for us was like in public schools we had a lot of like government sanctioned uh standardized tests and Mm -hmm. for us since high school technically ends in like grade 11 we have this one like big leaving exam called spm where we're tested on like 10 to 11 subjects and is material from like all of high school and like your grade your grade is just determined on that like one final exam that you sit which essentially oh, wow. meant that, like, aside from juggling ECs and extracurriculars and all the other stuff, a lot of time was just spent preparing for that one exam. Like, I think if you hear sto- stories like of like, I don't know, countries and like in Asian countries, they mostly have like these big standardized exams and those exams and how well you do on them determines where you go to college. And mm-hmm. like, for the most part, that's every, all everyone focused on, which was like very draining, very stressful, not fun. Like, sometimes it felt like, you know, you just like you're just going through the motions doing homework, you know, because all you're really tested on is that one final exam. And if you're Mm -hmm. not like in like the best of moods or like you're not a great test taker, that's obviously going to like be a handicap to you. Yeah. Your whole like school experience was just preparing for an exam. And then after you're done with that, you're being told that like, oh, actually, colleges overseas want you to have 12 years of schooling, not 11. Yeah. So you need to do more. And I mean, IB would have been an option, but like you would have to have done it in two years. So like, no, I, I wasn't considering that.
1: That's the thing um, for us. Instead of a two year, it was a four year IB thing because we did pre-IB beforehand. So we I guess just... it's
2: like less stressful, is it not? Because then no, it sort no, of like no. eases you in or is it just worse?
1: No, it eases you into the sense that your entire high school experience is like the minute you enter freshman year, you get used to the grading system and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. but the classes from middle school to high school, the transition was huge in terms of academics. So that was the only bad part. And then also the transition from pre-IB to IB, because pre-IB, IB IB doesn't look at what what I did freshman and sophomore year. Like only Mm -hmm. our high school structured their classes that way. However, it was the big transition from sophomore to junior year when it's like, okay, everything counts now. And it's like, why the hell did I just go through two years? You know, all in all, it turned out all right. You know, I'm here. I'm all right. A lot of kids struggle when they get to college. But so far, I'm a, I'm doing all right, honestly.
2: And that's the most important thing. I was saying Simone earlier about like SPM and how essentially all we did in high school was just like, you know, past year papers, just prepping exam questions. But in the sense that like nothing we did in school actually mattered, like the material like, the material would be tested, but, like, none of the homework, none of the assignments, nothing would actually count towards your grade. They were just there for the sake of it. And it was sad.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. It, it was just a very repetitive process. It's just, it's that's just high school. High school is weird. Like, okay, me and Kishore were in different
2: classes. So, for context, they, the way they do it in Malaysia is, like, I think, is it, like, true for you guys that you get to choose what classes you want to take? in high school yeah
1: um for the most part you're given a list but yeah
2: so for us it's like based on how you did in like a standardized test in grade nine you're then sort of like scented like different streams where you take like a set of cl- different classes
1: oh yeah that happened to me
2: yeah yeah i mean that's what i had as well yeah see my school is weird because i was in the like the pure science stream which is weird because now i'm doing like computer science but like what of it so there was a thing in my school where they made all the kids in the pure science, like, stream, take agricultural science. Yeah, basically I had to learn how to be a farmer for two years. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do with, that, with those skills, but it was a time. And, like, part of our grade was, you know, spent, like, you know, like, learning about fertigation, like, you know, taking care of chickens, you know, and, like, selling them at the market.
1: It's giving FFA Future Farmers of America... I know, but like we
2: never had an association like that. Good. Counter blessings. But also like it was hot. It was not a vibe. I like to tell people that like Malaysia is basically Florida without guns and alligators. Although we do have alligators in like certain places.
0: Well if Malaysia is basically Florida with the guns and alligators, then it's literally just you're just left with what? Racism.
1: Yeah, and the pickup you for- you forget, you forget the pickup trucks and the MAGA hats. Uh,
0: no then no that's not a good uh you know kind of connection between the two because we don't have MAGA trucks and pickup I'm uh, sorry I mean MAGA hats and pickup trucks are well
2: sure, we kind of do in that episode that's
0: coming out small teaser on I do not love you for that but we move but still I would say but I mean Malaysia is probably like Boston but without you think white people yeah because boston's also racist that's kind of like the fucking have you ever have you felt that no because that's like the biggest stereotype of boston i don't know
2: okay here's the thing though like i don't know if i'm gonna get a hate for this i've had like a mostly positive experience here in boston i genuinely love it like i mean there are obviously drawbacks but like compared to what i've experienced like growing up in malaysia like this is a world of difference i mean if i can feel like i have rights i feel that's like a big win and like i felt that and also, people are way nicer. Like, I think that's the point. sure, do you remember when we started this podcast? Do you know how hard it was to get our friends to just come on the podcast? And then I get to know Simona, like at a Molly UN conference, like a lot better. I'm like, do you want to come on a podcast? I'm like, sure. Look how easy that was. And I feel like people here are just like a lot friendlier. It's anyways. the
1: difference in worlds as well. Like, also Boston is a different. You know, Boston, New York. They're very much more progressive places in the u.s so i feel like the welcoming and the more acceptance factor is going to be much greater than if you went you know to let's say florida or something
2: or like texas maybe Or
1: te- yeah yeah i mean i don't want to generalize the whole state of texas i can only speak from the florida perspective but boston is very much one of the most liberal and progressive um especially young like the population of Boston is a lot of young people, so it's kind of like within the nature of the state to I mean it is kind of a college extent.
2: town. You have like a ton of colleges around the area, you know, like BU Northeastern, yeah, Harvard. They're from all over as well.
1: Yeah, it's a huge
2: pot. I think it's kind of ironic because one of the things one of the like selling points of Malaysia to like tourists is that we're a melting pot of cultures. We're so diverse. Yeah, no, America fits the description. Malaysia does not. <laughs> the only thing that's like Okay, if anyone ever wants to visit Malaysia, you come for the food because the food is good and it's dirt cheap. Really? But other than that, I don't really see the selling point. Yo, know, no, Yeah, like I was telling my friend this, like if you want to come over, right, you can have like all three meals for under 10 bucks and you'd be very satisfied.
1: I think mm-hmm. it's because of the currency exchange. Yeah. That's also true. But yeah. also
2: like we do have like expensive food in inverted commerce. It's just that like the good stuff is like mostly street food. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. That's one thing I miss about, like, Bulgaria, the street food. Oh, so good.
0: You see, that's a weird thing, Rishwan, because like, I think that's just our opinion of it. I fucking met people who have never had Malaysian street food as well, and they only eat at, you know, cafes and shit back in Malaysia. And those are, like, the fucking... <laughs> we consider them the rich people when they're Yeah, but they're much, just, you, like, you know, they're just, posing, you know, in a sense. Pretentious just, douchebags, I guess. They just don't <laughs> the want to be Malaysian. it's just
2: it's it's sad the social scene in malaysia is really interesting because i think the general vibe you get is that people over there tend to be really friendly but the experience varies depending on what you're talking about because like there's still a very conservative culture despite how progressive like the the youth seem to be these days like lgbtq rights are like not a thing And like with regards to like all the racial inequality and like, I think we talked about the education quotas, like people are less inclined to talk about it. It's more like with regards to affirmative action, people are like, yeah, you know what? We're going to keep quiet for the sake of like harmony. We don't want to start something, but like deep down that prejudice is always there. And I feel like from a young age, you're sort of like taught to recognize that like these things are happening. You just don't talk about it. Or like, yeah, you know, there are going to be people who are like, have like the upper hand on you. You just got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And coming here, it, the vibe is more like, no, if anything happens, you got to stand up for yourself, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, it's I think it's just worlds away. It's also I don't want to say culture, but it's ingrained in this like it's ingrained in the social culture.
2: No, it is definitely ingrained, which is why, like, I feel like that's why, like, at least me and Keisha are going like overseas to study has been like very refreshing and eye opening in a good way, I suppose. Well,
1: that's good. Yeah, it,
0: I wouldn't say that it was eye opening. I think our eyes were opened. It's okay, kind of like fair. you know yeah, it's like you know for a fact that this is what the outside world is like. And then the moment you leave, all of your expectations are met. And then it's like, oh okay, okay. wait, no, Keisha, well, scrap that. <laughs>
2: remember, do you remember when I said when I was told you I was gonna go to BU and you was like, Why are you going to America for? You're gonna get shot. <laughs> yeah, and that's all I, everyone I, told I, me for like the longest time before it's it was like gonna come try here. I'm like,
0: not to get shot you know
2: and my, all my friends were like why are you spending this much money to go to the US you're gonna get shot people are gonna be racist people are gonna be this and that and like I mean I guess the stereotype might be true but like I've had a vastly better experience than like people have been projecting onto onto me which has been I guess fascinating in a sense No,
1: literally there's a reason why people say that it's because of the United States like shooting after shooting after shooting after shooting like it happens all the time
2: i mean it depends i don't know if like things happening in like certain parts of the country should be like a deterrent for like the rest
1: of it i don't know if it should be a deterrent but i think it's it should serve as like a little bit of a warning like Mm. hey this is what the country is this is what they do because the
2: vibe i got was like there's a risk of this happening so you might as well like not go But the way I saw it was like, but there's a lot more opportunity and like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to give that up for like, like, there's obviously a risk, but like there are risks everywhere, I guess. Like, then again, like there's a trade-off of staying at home and being continually discriminated against. And that's also like not the most fun experience. So like, I guess it depends on like whether you want to take that risk or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, because when I was at home and I was reading titles like like this one that says "Florida man bursts into ex's delivery room fights her new boyfriend as she's giving birth," and I was thinking Richmond's going to this place, (laughs) and I was like, "Mm."
2: (laughs) 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 "Well, you know." Also, the one Florida person I've met seems to be nice,
0: so I don't I don't get that vibe yet.
1: Hey, yo. Well, that's because you have to experience Florida, and it's fullest and i don't mean going to miami i mean going to actual florida
0: an actual florida would be tampa
1: tampa sarasota like the actual like more suburban areas that's real florida
0: Tampa, jacksonville
1: kind of
2: i don't know it feels like to me the u.s is like a bunch of different countries under the same banner because like every place is like so different
1: kind of is honestly but it's also when you look at it like the version of new york that people know is like the tourist version of new york ask anyone who lives in new york to tell you about new york i'm sure they're not going to tell you all about the tourist traps in times square
2: i mean they're definitely going to be talking about the subway and like the terrible traffic and like
0: the masturbating and the hobos and the gun violence and the raping and the you know
1: that, yeah most likely it's just the tourist idea versus the real same with europe like go to europe go anywhere in the world the idea you get for a couple of days weeks is not the same as living there, mm-hmm.
2: but then again, it also kind of goes back to like people just wanting like what they don't have, yeah, like I feel like if you live somewhere long enough, you're gonna find the flaws in that place and like sort of grow to dislike it. But then again, when I you think about it every everything's like a cost benefit analysis at this point. like do you think the benefits outweigh like the drawbacks in that sense? right?
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's, like, the thing people live their lives by. That or, like, the sunk cost fallacy.
2: So we ended up, like, talking about, like, our experiences to, like, making this all about econ. Mm, A little. (laughs) Maybe that should be a new major now. Maybe we figured it out. Maybe I was right all along. I don't
1: know. Were you? Were you?
2: I don't know. We'll find out, like, when you graduate.
1: (laughs) Right. But I don't
2: recommend CS, like, in all seriousness.
1: Well, I'll keep that in mind. I don't know if I can make it through CS, so...
2: 111's fine. It's a, it's a nice class. It's Python, Kishore. I, I convinced her to take a Python class. Oh, man.
0: It could be worse. Why I could have suggested Java. That? I could have suggested Java. Okay, in fairness, you know.
2: Because, like, I think you were like, you want to take a CS class, no? And I'm like, okay, take 111. It's a good class.
1: We'll see how it goes. It'll That'll be like a taste of CS, and that'll really give me somewhat of an idea if this is something i even want to attempt to major in or if it'll be a total flop
2: i mean it's good that you have the opportunity to try it out because like most people and like the rest of the world just like once you're locked into their major like i think even switching majors means you just need to start all over again i think i know a friend who like i think started out in engineering like he didn't like it had to drop out and now like to switch majors he has to wait all the way he has to wait till like september of next year Oh no, till September of this year to like start again in a new major. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah,
1: no, I would not want to do that.
2: Like that would be too time consuming, obviously, and just having to redo everything. Yeah. But also just like elsewhere, credits aren't a thing. I think also because like college is university is like three years elsewhere, whereas for us it's four also kind of makes it a little interesting, I suppose.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was four years everywhere for a bachelor. Like you sure,
2: you'll you'll be done before me,
0: right? No, mine is four years as well, but I'm doing a double degree. So yeah, you're doing like a double. I'm not. I'm doing three oh. plus one.
2: So okay, I may potentially get a master's, like like be used like B B B A M S thing, but like I have to wait till junior year to see if I actually want to follow through with that. Most places are like three years, and like you don't have like credits. Like even if you do I B, you still just do the three years. Like all that stuff doesn't matter. It just helps you get into college. Or get mm-hmm. into university and it doesn't really mean much i guess that's also kind of what sold me on like going to the u.s i wanted i wanted to like for all the effort i put into like doing well in high school i wanted to make sure like i'm getting something out of it you know and like not just throwing yeah. all this development or growth out the window once you go to like university
1: gotcha which is kind
2: of like debate you know which is why i still do it i mean like hey there this this person didn't want me to even compete. Now we're going to nationals this week, so I see it as a big positive.
1: Yeah, you have to find the good thing, the good in everything. Like you have to every experience, take it and turn it around for a positive.
2: No, yeah, that's totally true. You know, even if some people can't see the light, it's okay. You find the good in them, and who knows, maybe one day they change. Like maybe one day you'd finally see the light and like actually start watching anime and stuff, dissing it as being just merely cartoons. Oh dare you
1: that's a little bit of a stretch how
0: dare you
1: so okay listen they're gonna have the entire like anime community coming after me
2: well you did say that of course because we're just being reasonable human beings hold on
1: hold on hold on it's all animated that's all i'm gonna say it's all animated cartoons are animated and therefore anime is animated yes all animations art cartoons to some extent therefore we take the common thing in the center uh, Um, animations and we go straight from anime to cartoons boom
0: okay wait wait now i would agree and it i only agree in one context anime is japanese cartoons
1: okay but it's still cartoon
0: but it's japanese cartoons it's basically a name for japanese cartoons it's called anime and that's why you refer to it as anime and not as cartoons because it's completely different yes it is yes it is its own genre and it has its specific identity which is why you call it anime
1: understood
0: like what's like what's the most mature western cartoon you've ever like seen family guy south park something like that
1: family guy maybe but like Apart from, like, all the basics, like, Disney and stuff and, like, Dora the Explorer.
0: Dora the Explorer was the vibe. Oh, come on.
1: <laughs> no, really? and then Mickey Mouse and stuff. I I would say, yeah, probably Family Guy or <gasps> Archer. Archer is a good one.
0: Archer? I've never heard that one. Archer.
1: It's on Netflix. It's very good.
0: Oh, you know what's one cartoon, uh, like, mature cartoon that I love? It's a invincible
1: never seen that
0: oh you were telling me about that yeah the i one reviewed on prime? it yeah that, that was the one that was on prime um invincible that came out 2021 last year and it was really good it's a superhero cartoon it's a comic book that became uh animated by amazon so yeah it, and it's really good it actually is really good
2: <laughs> okay i'm just saying this because i used to be an anime skeptic until like i got converted in a sense you know Forcefully or not, whether it was consensual, we don't talk about that. But essentially, sure like even you can vouch. Contrast that with like the titles you get from anime, you know, ReZero, Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, and like the themes they handle. Talking about like loss, talking about like world building. I don't know, Kishore, sure, you you can sell it better than I can.
0: There's a lot more deep themes that go into some more mature rated anime, I would say. Stuff like... Attack on Titan and um, Re-Zero for that fact, um, especially because the depth of the writing from the authors itself, they were definitely not meant for children, which is why they have like a higher rate of charity. There is definitely anime that's a lot more childish and wholesome and stuff. Those you can clearly recognize, uh, but mainly I would say the ones that are really popular right now and very mainstream, are the ones that are incredibly mature. So the ones that are really popular and mainstream are the ones that are really um, kind of sort of mature graphical contact, uh, content that has a lot of deep meaning and well, just great writing and just very well done storytelling with a lot of uh, moral dilemmas in the story itself, which is definitely not meant for children. Uh, with, you know, blood, gore, and tits flying everywhere. So, yeah.
2: See, it's it's animated, not for, like, the sake of, like, being a cartoon, but, like, it's more that, like, because anime is such, like, a prevalent media in Japan, it's sort of, like, that has become, like, the go-to media in order to, like, depict the work of fiction. And that's, like, the go-to for, like, Japanese storytellers to tell, to give their best work. So it's, like, it's not really seen as made for kids. Like, anime is just, like, seen as, like, what the general population watches. Like, even over here, like, all the anime movies that get shown in, like, theaters get, like, a big crowd. I mean, like, you also probably know a ton of people who watch anime as well, which is interesting. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying you should watch it, but, like, I kind of think you should. It's up to you, I guess.
1: You're saying don't hate it till you try it.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I have
1: seen Avatar, but I know it's not an anime, technically.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you can't consider that anime. Like, come on. Avatar Super Mainstream.
1: I literally said it's technically not an anime. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, I know. But anyways, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Tundle, the Podcast,
1: new episodes weekly. And we hope to see you on the next episode. Goodbye.